Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hello, everybody. Those in the room and those that are listening or tuning in, welcome. Today is our last time gathering together on a Sunday before the new year begins. And I remember when the church first launched seven years ago, and one of the words of advice I got was, when you're on stage, look out and take a moment to take it in, because it'll go by so fast. And I was just reminded of that backstage again. This year went by faster than Many of us thought it could go. So what if we just take a moment right now, listening, watching, pause, check the environment out, look around, see your neighbor. I know you said hi to him in the 30-second connect. How's the chairs? A few of them are broken. It's no building. It's all good. Show a little love. I mean, we wouldn't be mad if a big check came in, you know, for giving for Heart for the House because we can't give to the rest of the end of the year on Heart for the House for it. Kidding. It's all good. Unless, you, unless that's what God put on your heart. You want to get the chair fixed? By all means. But just take it in. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So let's breathe that in. Today's message is titled, God with me. You might be familiar with the Christmas story of Jesus being born and sent into this world to rescue and redeem people from sin. And he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, or other translations say, God is with us. I wonder today, though, for a moment, Corporate matters, together matters, but I wonder if the posture carrying into 21 days of prayer, the Lord wants us to get super close to him, and he wants to get really close to us, that we'd be able to say, God with me, deep to the depths of our soul to move past information and to move into heart transformation. Tim Keller tweeted out this morning, God, Christ's deity, God with Christ's humanity, God with us, our legal and vital union with Christ and the privilege of spiritual communion with him. Merry Christmas. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, Tina read this during worship, and let's take another pass on it. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. You can write that into the next ballot you vote for. It don't matter who wins, King Jesus is still king. Now, we want to put righteous people in office, but don't get it twisted. King Jesus is king. And that's what this means right here, that the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its properties will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. King Jesus is a perfect king. And when he comes back, finally to make all things new, his rule and reign will be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Justice will be fully executed. Righteousness will be all on display as there is a new heaven and a new earth. And here we find ourselves in between Post-resurrection, Jesus has ascended. We can look back and know about 
the God in the Old Testament, living now the God in the New Testament and looking forward to Jesus's return. Now you might hear some language said today like, man, it's Jesus's birthday. I hope today that we'll die. I think that's maybe helpful, but it could be harmful because he's not minimized to just a birthday. We're talking about the preeminent one. So we will look back, we will look in the present, and then we'll look forward to forever. In my upbringing with Christmas, I have so many fond memories, tons, watching all the Christmas movies you can think of over and over and over. The songs I know most that still come into my head this day as a grown individual in their 40s. Well, I guess age doesn't necessarily mean you're grown. Christmas songs on repeat. Everyone's, I could, anywhere. You know, it just pops up randomly. Goes back. So catchy. So catchy. Caught up in the wave, just receive it as it is, you know, and there's so many fond memories. Would stay up all night, oh, you know, presents, that all this is going to happen. And now he uh, processes this in a little longer. I, I still have super fond of uh, many movies, but one movie in particular has, is in my top 10, a Christmas movie. Which one? Elf. And the only pet peeve I have with that is just the lack of representation of diversity. And that one does irk me, but the movie is an absolute classic, and it's in the top 10. This week, I was also in Grand Rapids. I got to stay at the Amway Grand Hotel, and at that hotel, it was the decor was Hallmark card, and think of a snow globe when you, and the snow just goes so slow. It was snowing in this beautiful place. It was special. And when you think of Christmas, maybe you think some of those things. Maybe you think hurt. Maybe you think frustration, or maybe you think worse yet, evil. And today, I hope to dive into some of those thoughts. Is there a green light when we just take Christmas at face value? Is there a yellow light? Is there a red light? And the more I've experienced this on the journey, I realized it's not just a green light. It can't be. And I remember experiencing that. There were so many fond memories as a kid with my family who's here. But then when we have five spots to go to in two days, you start to think, wait, is this green light or yellow light? And then you think, okay, we've got to get presents. We've got to do this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving gifts is good. It's amazing. And then, wait, green light, yellow light, red light. And now in Jesus, it gives, it gives a greater sense to to. to, to, to to examine and give us a clear picture. Maybe you've heard the word. It's been used a lot with church and Christianity, and it's deconstruct. And deconstruct our faith. Well, by all means, all the time, friends. If something is a lie, the the best student always carries a healthy level of skepticism. Meaning, if we just... uh, if, if someone told you to jump off a cliff, would you? But friends, how do we know we're not just being told to jump off a cliff day to day all the time? So to deconstruct or Christmas or the idea of maybe what would be more helpful, a thought for us that is just take Christmas for what it really is. Give us the real, all organic, no middleman Just give us Jesus and maybe we get to something so beautiful that everything else will make more sense. That's what I hope today will shape in a fresh new way. Because God is not a buzzkill. He's not this legalist God that just wants to quench our festive spirit. In fact, God is the author of celebration. He knows how to celebrate when One sinner repents and comes to God. The angels in heaven throw a party. Look, I've been invited to some of your parties. It wasn't angelic. 
when we are in God's party, it's angelic. So he knows how to celebrate. And then from that, we're getting informed, what would celebration look like for us? And we're getting glimpses of that all the time. And that's when we get to go to each other's parties. But there ain't no party like a Christian party because a Christian party don't stop. Even the father throws a party for the prodigal son who doesn't deserve it because the father's good. It's who he is. So to peel back Christmas or to set the table, a word comes to mind is tradition. What traditions do we, do we practice and why? Maybe you have some family traditions that we just do it. Or maybe you're looking to create some new ones. Well, tradition doesn't mean something bad or wrong by definition. So a few to highlight here, it can mean a custom or beliefs from generation to generation. But if you've played the game telephone a little long enough, you know stuff gets lost in translation. Amen? It can be tradition, by definition, a doctrine believed to have divine authority, though not in the scriptures. Yes, divine and also in the scriptures from a Christian context, duh, the scriptures are the word of God. And Webster puts it this way, the handing down of information, beliefs, or customs from one generation to another. So here we find ourselves, a Sunday gathering on what is Christmas, and we say then, what is Christmas? Well, Jesus is born. Christmas, meaning a Christian mass, those that are gathering in Jesus to celebrate Jesus, the Savior, the Anointed One, the Messiah that was born into the world to save people from their sins. Well, then where does trees come in? Where did cookies and Santa? Well, Santa, St. Nicholas, a great follower of Jesus that wanted to give gifts and was helping out people, and eventually the folklore gets commercialized, which doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but I just wonder, could it maybe be a little bit more yellow light? Or how about if we study where the decoration of trees even comes from, we find the origin is in pagan worship rituals or idolatry to worship creation not the creator, and then Christians to evangelize, saying, hey, we have no problem. Let's redeem this day, and we'll embrace and inject ourselves into this culture to proclaim the good news from within, because it's all good. I understand that. Who made trees, y'all? God. And who made lights? God, but who made them? Us. We did, right? We invented them. Why? Because God wants us to create like him. But if we start to worship what he told us to rule over and we don't remember who we're ruling with, we get it twisted. So some of the traditions we've tried to inject, and it is hard. Talk about swimming upstream. We are in everywhere you go, there is promotion of Christmas or promotion of happy holidays or just we got to get in between or not. And I, and, 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 and I find myself, as I would shop over the years, I was the guy shopping on Christmas Eve every year and said I never would be. But I looked over at the panic and the despair and the frustration at everybody in the checkout line that we don't know why we're buying these gifts, but we're here. And I saw it again this week at Target. And I looked and I just thought, man, how beautiful could it be if we just stripped it all away? Don't give us the synthetic. Give us the real, authentic. Just give us Jesus. And then from that place, no shame. Give gifts. Be festive. Celebrate how you see fit. But don't just take it as face value. There's a filter that is super helpful when we think of holidays or even uh, music or movies. It's do we receive it as it is? Just take it. This is good. Do we redeem it? Christian remix. You know, a lot of the songs we sing, they're, they're, they're old, um, old bar songs, hymns. So some of the hymns that uh, are sung through church history, they're originally bar songs. And what's fascinating is the church is so slow to progress where 
I have personally been the first rapper at dozens of churches in their existence. And I remember always thinking, well, rap wasn't new, but yet this is crazy progressive. What changed? Because the hymns we sing, we, we, they're sacred. They were bar songs. I'm convinced if Christ was here, he would get so much in our Wheaties. He would be so messy. He would make us so uncomfortable, but he would bring us so much freedom because when we follow him, we realize, yeah, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The Son of Man, he's not necessarily fixed on any one set way. He, he came to, to, to say, what is the purpose of the tradition we're following? It's God and people. So he was even shaking up the church. He was shaking up in ways you could say, oh, was he deconstructing? No, he was realigning for what was the original intent. So why we do things is infinitely more important than what we do, friends. And I know we're already squirming in our seat because someone's like, dang, where's this going to lead? Should I not have Christmas tonight? What are we doing? I just got, no, by all means, there's grace. But we're going somewhere good. So you can either receive it, you can redeem it, Christian remix, or just if it's straight up evil, reject it. Now, maybe you have a measure of faith uh, in a way that God has graced you, that horror films you don't reject. But to me, it just seems black and white. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, the riskiest leaders I know in the Christian faith, meaning very liberal in love, but radically orthodox and conservative in doctrine. Meaning I think God can reach people in any space and place in ways that I can't even conceive or fathom, but yet there's gonna be an orthodoxy that is structured in the ancient way that is consistent throughout all of church history. And I say that because how can we play mental gymnastics for something as simple as face value do we reject a horror film? Now, there's no condemnation. We need Jesus. That's the point of a savior. But this is entertainment as we stop and think. This filter's really good. Do I receive it? Do I redeem it? Or do I just reject it? And we're humans. The same grace that saved us, Jesus, is the same grace that's saving us. And when we recognize it's grace that saved us, we want to be obedient because it's his strength. And so I'm partnering up with with how God made me when I'm obeying. But my flesh is always at war with that. So friend, we're all in the, the, the hospital in different ways with God all the time. So I might be up here preaching, but I'm ultimately connecting and I'm, I'm sitting in the seat as well being preached to. As Crystal and I have thought of some of the traditions, what do we teach our kids, especially thinking through, okay, we're pastors. It would probably be important that we read the Christian, or the, you know, the, the, the birth of Jesus story. I'm kidding, not just because we're pastors. It's a good thing to do, and we heard other families did it. Christmas morning, they wake up, and before we open presents or do anything, we open up the scriptures, and we read the gospels. And I think, okay, the genealogy, try reading that with four-year-olds. So if you've ever been stuck in maybe Luke 1 and 2 or Matthew's gospel out the gate of how Jesus entered the scene. Thank God for the Bible project. Picture this. We all woke up together and we're having a tradition of remembering of how God sent Jesus and how the beginning of Luke's gospel records chapter 1 and 2, Bible project. Check this video out. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In the city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah, 
to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods, no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiance Joseph had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There were so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which of course freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate, because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. Well, we just did our morning routine together. We're on Christmas. We remembered the story of Jesus in the story arc of how he showed up into uh, this world. And it's beautiful to remember. You know, our calendar is on sync with Jesus' life, death, burial, burial, and resurrection. There is so much of life pointing to the spiritual battle and war going on all the time. And Jesus is the most hated, debated, but most celebrated individual ever existed. And I remember when, you know, God was giving me eyes to see and ears to hear when I was, uh, when I was found and responding to him finding me. So God, it's, it's God who saved. And then his spirit working in me is uttering a response and a choice and quite a mystery how it plays out through the sovereignty of God for sure, but it was my eyes were open, ears to hear what the Spirit was saying that, oh, this Jesus, what, wait, he's unlike any other God. What did he do again? Why can't we sing his name in schools? Why? What did he do? Oh, he cared about the poor. He gave a voice to women. He helped those marginalized. He 
stood up for those that were in low tiers of classes and children, and, and he went against the rulers of the day, willingly riding on a donkey to his own death. And I'm like, yeah, that's a king I can serve. Because this Jesus born is to use the, if you've ever seen the Christmas Carol movie with Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, they got the ghost from Christmas past and the girls from Christmas present and the ghost from Christmas future. And I'm not, we're not going to do any ghosts today, but I'm going to be a guide to the past, to the present, and to the future to help us unpack the tradition and thinking where we're really at and to think of uh, where our traditions are. There's, you ever, none of you heard that where the story, there's a girl making Christmas dinner with her mom. And she's getting the ham ready. And she goes, Mom, why do we cut the ends of the ham off? She goes, ah. And the girl interjects. She goes, is it to get all the juices in? She goes, I don't know. That's what Grandma did. And then she goes, ask Grandma. She goes, calls up Grandma. Hey, Grandma, why do we cut the ends of the ham off again? Oh, honey, it's because I didn't have a big enough pan. I was just on social media just for a little bit in the last 24 hours. And I saw the Twitter and I saw a King Jesus tag and I saw, you know, Jesus is born, happy birthday. And I was just seeing the scrolling and I was looking at all of the, um, the paintings and the little cards and the happy birthday. And I thought, that's not a fair depiction. It's just not accurate. And when we take it for face value, we think, well, how did this ever happen? We're still posting... You know, Jesus is this tall white dude with a beard. He's like, wait, what? Jesus was born in the Middle East. Jesus is brown skin for sure. Why would that be deconstruction? That's just accuracy. See, Christmas, it shouldn't touch our funny bones when we want to look at Christ over everything. And looking back at Christ, who is Christ? Who is he? Well, the story of how he shows up is a story of us running from God. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he had said to the woman, did God really say? This This is what culture is telling us all the time. I get it. Your Bible says this, and the preachers say this, but, 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 is it really that deep? Hashtag God's a buzzkill, man. This is scary waters. I'm concerned. I am super concerned following culture. Can I just be honest with you guys? I think we got to live counterculture in such a way that it's going to make all of us uncomfortable. But do we want Jesus more than we want popularity? Do we want Jesus more than being accepted? I even wrestle with having these trees on stage sometimes. But I'm like, you know, for a lot of people, it's helpful. But for me, it's like, what in the world? When did we get trees? What happened? What day is it? Oh, Jesus is here. Well, would it be trees or maybe it would be like a wailing of all the kids that Herod killed and then Jesus is in a manger and then somehow now it's gotten fluffy. And, and, and I think once we actually lean into this and wrestle with this, it makes our celebrations and our cookies taste better. And it makes when we decorate actually make more sense because we're not escaping and getting lost in the, the mundane traditions and rituals which don't glorify Christ. It's just straight up death. And it's because the enemy, he's so, he, he, he'll get close to us and he'll speak three-quarter truths. He'll be like, yeah, come on. Did God really say? You can't eat from the tree from the garden. Then it goes on. The woman said to the serpent, we can eat from all fruit of the tree, but not the tree in the middle because God said you must not eat or you will die. Okay, who said it? God. Now you have the serpent, not having the authority of God, trying to, the very thing they're supposed to be ruling over here is Eve negotiating. When we start to negotiate with our things or have our worth in our things or our possessions, and, and, and it happens so subtle. Why do you think the young rich ruler, Jesus, 
Jesus promised him he would have so much in heaven. He just knew his funny bone, his tradition was money. So he said, hey, sell everything and give it to the poor. And he went away sad. I don't want us to get caught up in the lie of anything. And I want us to go, and, and, and for some of us, it'll be a grieving day because our family situations. For others, it'll be celebratory. And, and, and all of us to go knowing that God is with me. And it calibrates and it gives us a sense of purpose and going all the way back to the past of why Jesus showed up. It's because Eve negotiated and then falls victim to the moment and eats from the tree. You've heard the story. And then going down to verse nine, here's the response. God called out to man and said, where are you? Because man fell victim to it too. You know, like, come on. Guys, kryptonite, is women. Eve had to have been absolutely stunning, beautiful. But God held Adam accountable because he was made first. And there was no excuses because each one of us, we got to give an account to God. And then God, he's coming with the nature, like, I want to spend time with my creation, people that are made in my image. And he says, hey, what's going on? And then He says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. This is Adam's response. Because I was naked, so I hid. Fear entered the world because of sin. The backdrop to Jesus being born is apart from God, making us brand new through Jesus, being face-to-face with God is very frightening. Why do you think when angels show up on the scene all the time, they gotta say, do not be afraid? Because this is just, whoa! Movies can't do it justice. Songs can't do it justice. We're talking about eternal, supreme beings. But yet, the angels are to serve God, and they're under Jesus and under his inheritance, us. What? That's how special we are to God. But yet, when we sin, what showed up in the past is to highlight The impact of sin makes us afraid in the presence of God. This is why when we we sear our consciences, we just do so wrong and we just, finally we don't know and we get numb and that's the worst place to be, friends. Conviction is a gift. To feel wrong and be like, oh no, God, I'm sorry, that's a gift. Because we have a good God that his mercies are new every morning. I don't know if you ever heard that, that moment where You know, religion says, I've messed up, I should hide. But relationship with God, and religion by definition is not bad. But relationship with God says, oh, I've messed up, I better go call dad God. Because he's the only one who can get me out. So going back to the past, the only one that could get us out is God. And it showed up in the scene and was afraid. And then moving on here, we find ourselves a little bit, some Christmas present. So picture I changed my outfit, like the Christmas carol, different person, no ghost, but here we are now in the present. Luke's gospel records of how Jesus showed up in the present. Luke 2, 10, 11. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When Jesus showed up, the backdrop is fear. It's pain, it's destruction, it's evil. It's just like today, except there's good news in Jesus that God, the Savior, showed up, the God-man, Jesus himself. That's good news, y'all. And some of us, we are so prolific at sharing what is going on with the world's rhythm more than the good news of Christ. And then we package it with like, look, I am so impressed with the effort that shows up online for Christmas. I could only imagine what would it look like if we believed this good news everywhere all the time and it permeated our spaces. And the tradition was that I have a living, breathing God, that God is with me everywhere I go. Because then we want to post about it, talk about it, but it's easier to hide because we get kind of caught up in it, right? Let's go with the flow, go with the flow, go with the motions. But no, there's something better. There's something sweeter. And that's why we're inviting us into 21 days of prayer right around the corner. Because prayer, it can be taught, but it's more caught. That you have a personal connection with God that you can run into the throne room boldly when you put your faith in Jesus. 
into the throne room in the presence of God. What? You know, on Sundays we say this stuff, and I and I and, and sometimes when I'm here preaching, I'm out of body experience thinking, what does that mean? That is so powerful. I can be in the presence of God with no condemnation because of Jesus. So that's the good news that a Savior was born who is the Messiah, the Lord. And we're not just talking about this is the happy birthday. We're not just talking about Jesus um, being born, happy birthday. In, in, in the beginning, uh, look at John 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. So before Jesus was born, the Word, and the Word was with God, being Jesus in the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And I realize I'm splitting hairs, but when we say happy birthday, Jesus, like he was there at the beginning of creation. Like, oh, birthday boy. Hi, birthday boy. Birthday boy. Jesus? You know why they worship the baby? Because they recognize the power of the Messiah. So I just wonder, maybe we shouldn't even, we shouldn't even limit our thought to thinking just baby Jesus. I mean, King Jesus, Supreme Jesus, the Word Jesus, the Word. And what does that look like? You know what the Word came to do? Look at how the message puts it. The Word was first. The Word present to God the word present to the word, God present to the word, to the word, to the word. And the word was God in the readiness for God from day one. So when Jesus showed up, it was to be present with us and with God. That's what he's still doing in the present today. And in this place, a lot of us have fear. We have stuff we're afraid of. We have stuff we want to hide from God. But maybe when we Tell the Christmas story. It would be like the moment when the great theologian from Charlie Brown, Linus, rips one of the most heroic sermons that has ever been preached on any stage. Check this clip out. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I know um, Charlie Brown's before many of our time, but... It's the only time where Linus drops his blanket in all of the Charlie Brown episodes ever. And that was intentional. The Gospel Coalition writes the, an article said, just drop the blanket. Because the blanket was Linus never drops the blanket. It's representing security. It's a security blanket, intentional to deal with kind of the pressure of anxiety or being an extreme introvert and to always feeling afraid. But yet, when he was talking about Jesus, he dropped the blanket. The one we celebrate today is the one that we can say, be of good cheer, he's rescued us. Be of good cheer, he's overcome the world. Do not fear the one who can harm the body. 
Perfect love in Jesus Christ cast out fear. That's what he's still doing in the present. He's redeeming, he's renewing. You know, Jesus born, it means there is a rescue plan for humanity. And until he returns, when that window is shut, the reason he has not returned yet because he wants more kids to come back home. And if you're here today and you haven't come home to Jesus, there's no other way to come to God. You can't get there. So he came to you. What I find so powerful about the past, you remember Eve? Eve who was betrayed and then Adam who went along and sin that separated them and cast them out from the garden and then the curse of sin entered the world. You know, God could have chose to bring a savior plan and a rescue plan in any other type of way, but yet he chose to have Jesus born by a, what? Woman named Mary? Why didn't he just have Jesus just show up? Jesus, if Jesus can ascend to heaven, he could have surely came down all grown person Jesus. But yet that God intimately wanted to work with his creation and specifically where sin entered the world through Eve, that failure wouldn't be the final say. That death wouldn't reign. That Eve wouldn't be known as always, well, Eve ate the apple. I don't think that's how it's going to be talked about for eternity. I don't think we'll even know. I don't even think Mary's going to be talked about for all of eternity. I think what's going to be talked about is Jesus. Because Jesus born means there's a rescue plan. It means there is one who can redeem us from sin. It means there is a true king who will renew all things. Will you pull up that slide so we can see that? That Jesus born means there's a rescue plan. There is one who can redeem us from sin. And there is a true king. Remember, the government will rest on his shoulders who will renew all things. So preacher, if you guys could just re-up with me for a moment. Um, Meaning, if I could have 11 minutes. So stretch out for a second. 11 minutes. There you go. One deep breath. It'll wake us up just a hair. Because I hope at the end here, just have it be transforming. Not here, but here. I got to hear Rich Wilkerson share behind the scenes he, traditions he learned from his family who was a pastor and his dad specifically. And he was sharing how on birthdays, they do this thing called an honor circle. And if you've been to some of our birthday parties, we try to do that. It's where everyone gets around and they ask God, what's something God's speaking over the person to honor them, to celebrate them? And when we think of Jesus, well, how can we honor circle for Jesus? Remember the prophecy in Isaiah, he's wonderful counselor. Imagine that, we're sitting around, you know, Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Wow. Mighty God. Whoa. Eternal Father and the Prince of Peace. That would be all of us surrounding ourselves. Jesus. Jesus. So what does Jesus want for his birthday? I'm going to just use some speculation in, in my own opinion. I think what Jesus wants for his birthday is you. I think he just came for people that are sick that will say, hey, I need a, I need a savior. I need a savior. Because when Christmas comes alive and you have eyes to see and ears to hear, then the presence makes sense. Then the tree makes sense. Is cooking good gifts? Yeah. Is decorating good gifts? Yeah. Is hanging out with family good? Yes. It's just when we forget 
that God is over it all. He's first. And what is he doing in the future? This is what's so neat about the story. That past sin that goes all the way back to the garden is dealt with in the life of Jesus in the present here today and also 2,000 years ago of how he showed up on the scene then. But right here, right now, his spirit is alive to forgive today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off like today. God wants you. Because in the future, when he returns, he's slow now, as I stated, because he is waiting for his kids to come back home, as 2 Peter 3 says, because when he comes back, Revelation records that he's going to make all things new. The devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. There will be no more evil and wickedness able to torment God's creation any longer. And that God will come with the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And he will make his dwelling place with man. From the fall at the beginning of Genesis to the very end, what the enemy meant for evil, God is turning for good. So no matter what mistake you've ever done, the grace of God to be with you right here, right now, can override that moment if we just let him in. And say, God, help me. Forgive me. I can't do this on my own. I admit I, I need to be rescued. Will you redeem my life? And he has a way of renewing and taking things further and deeper than we could ever do on our own. So don't leave this place with shame or regret. Leave this place with the confidence that you would know when I'm in Jesus, it's God with me. See, the best part of a birthday, it's, it's not the balloons, is it? The best part of Christmas, it's not the festivities, is it? Because when you show up at a birthday party, it's really the best thing is who we are celebrating. Church, we're celebrating Jesus. The one who was, who is, and is to come. So just to do some ministry, is there some blankets in our life, maybe like Linus, that we could drop today? Is there hurts, worries, concerns, shame, or even religious formality that we maybe just came out of tradition? They say the best attended days, especially if it wouldn't have snowed and if it wouldn't have fallen on a Sunday, they call it, the term for it is Christer Christians. Like I show up on Christmas and Easter. Christer. Like I'm there. I don't know. Mom makes me go. And it's until you unpack it and then you think, whoa, what does this mean for me? And now when I hear the Christmas songs, I know the meaning. And it's given purpose to Christmas and it's given purpose to gifts and it helps me receive them in a way that is joyous instead of trying to escape or, because it's an empty promise. It doesn't fulfill. Sometimes we get together and we never talk about what's really going on beneath the surface. So we might as well call it what it is. Surface level hangout. That'd be cool. Instead, it's got to be this deep extravaganza. Like, oh my, no, no, it's all good. The only thing that's deep is God. And he does his work 24-7, 365 in his holidays all the time. He's not minimized to church services. He's not confined into buildings. He's in your car when you leave this place. God with me. That's the prayer. That you walk out of this place with a deep confidence to say, God is with me. Not him, me. He's with me. When I would show up to church, 22 years old, in the 1986 Dodge Aries, when I used to try to look cool in the world, but when God changed my life, it didn't matter anymore. And I'm driving a beater, showing up by myself. It, it, 
Literally didn't matter. I'm pumping gas one time. Somebody comes up, they give me a, 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 a handful of money. And they're like, oh, Jesus told me to give this to you. God bless. And they left. And I'm thinking, well, one, I didn't actually need it. And the reason they gave it to me, because I was driving a beater, but I didn't care anymore. Because sometimes we're seeing with our sight, we see someone in a beater. Their soul might be amazing. That was the most righteous I had ever been. When I was dripping in the world, it didn't matter. I was leading my life to death. But when I was driving this little beater, nothing else mattered. And I bought this little CD at Speedway that when you pump full of gas and you get 99 cents and it was a Christmas worship album. And I remember the first Christmas I went to when Jesus made my life new, I remember bawling going to show up at the family Christmas. And for the first time ever, our family prayed just because in a moment it, it had to have been the Lord. I, I looked at my great grandpa and I said, hey, I, I, God changed my life this year. Can we maybe pray on Jesus's birthday? And he looked at me, he goes, sure. I didn't know what to do. I look back and I think, is that still that dude today? You know? Because something sweet when nothing else matters. When you just get, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I don't want the middleman. Just give me Jesus. I just want the raw. I want the real. I want him. And then I want to know every tradition that he cares about. And I want to learn what he thinks about. And then I want to redeem traditions in a way that's beautiful to honor our parents, honor our grandparents. And by all means, and we still went and had Christmas. I don't even know how that prayer went. I don't know if it moved the, the needle for all of eternity, but it was a special moment our family got to have because my eyes were open and my ears could hear finally what the songs meant. God with me. And the church said, Amen. God, I thank you for every single person here today. I pray as they leave this space, they will know that they have a present that keeps on giving and 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 keeps on giving. We have an inexhaustible God, a never ending supply. We have a fountain that does not run dry. But God, he worked this equation in that we can't store it all up. It's daily bread. And I pray today that you would feed your people with daily bread, that they would walk out with such powerful confidence. God with me. Who's with you? God. Who? God. 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 And may our souls be bigger than anything we could ever buy. And then from that place, enjoy each other. Enjoy family. Enjoy decorating. Lights are amazing. Well, some of them, some of them need to take a class, Lord, but that's okay. And I thank you, God, for getting to be a part of City Life. Just pause in this moment. We don't take this for granted. We don't take you and we don't take each other for granted. In this Christian mass, us together. Jesus lives. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll seal up today. I sense God's power flowing down over your head like oil. If you would be willing in this moment, we just close your eyes and open your hands to receive God's oil pouring over you. God's power and his peace is doing work that the enemy has been having footholds for decades, but in a moment, God's oil is permeating the depths of your soul to bring peace that passes understanding, to renew in ways that only he could do, to redeem and giving you wisdom, to ask good questions and just get to the source 
and the oil of heaven filling you up by the power of Jesus Christ. I pray this by the authority of Jesus in his name only, King of kings, the Lord of lords. And all of God's people said, amen. Friends, we love you. We don't have a high note to go on. Not some big song. I think there will be a video that plays in a minute. That's kind of poppy and upbeat. But there's a couple invites. 21 days of prayer we will have at 7 a.m. in the multi-purpose room and we'll also have it broadcasted. So even if you got it on the background when you're getting ready in the morning, I think God will do something. Uh, I I just believe he's going to meet us in a fresh way. You're invited to that. And then after this, you'll see in the parking lot, there's the Love the City truck. For those that want to be a part of it, I don't even know if we all could actually do it. I don't know if we have enough for that. So you don't get any uh, hero points to stay, but we're going to go out and give some gifts to the workers real, for like real quick. Um, and if you can stay and you want to be a part of that, the team's going to be rallying in the parking lot. It's going to be uber cold. We're going to do that. Um, but, it, but again, if you have somewhere to go, you don't look back. There's no junior varsity team. You think, oh, I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> go wherever you have to go in the name of Jesus and go in peace and strength. So we hope to see you uh, as we kick off 2023 next weekend with 21 days of prayer. It falls on a Sunday. What a great way to change. What a great way to get momentum. And we'll have it at 7 a.m. And then you could stay for all services. Just make it a a great day consecrated to the Lord. We'll have services at 10 a.m. and 1130. We'll kick off a new series called Pray. All ages, all faces, all races, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. And we won't stop until Jesus Christ comes back. Come on, in the present. And he makes all things new. Merry Christmas, y'all. Have the best day of your lives.
the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.